0: Well, good morning. morning. How's everybody doing today? Well, I found out over the last several months that I'm really special. Because I get these big envelopes in the mail that it's for me. It says exclusive offer for, my name's Donald, Donald Williams. I'm like, wow, my real name, it's official. And I open it up and it's like just for me. And I got this interest rate that you'd be crazy not to take advantage of. I mean, it says a select group of people got it. I'm sure nobody else got any of those, right? (laughs) A couple months ago, I decided I'm going to just see how much junk mail I get. So I got this big tub in my garage because uh, marketers have figured out if they put uh, something stiff in the envelope, you can't just put it in a, a cheap shredder that you buy at Staples. You still have to open it up before you put the individual pieces in there. So they make you have to work for it. So I just said, well, I'm going to gather them in the garage, and then every so often I'll just take them and get them shredded at a professional place that just throws them in there. I never have to look at them. So over the last several months, I've gotten like, it's a mound of junk mail addressed to me. But you probably got the same letter exclusively, limited time addressed to you. Did you know you get more junk mail in a day than your parents, previous generation, would have gotten in a week? You get more in a week than they got in a month. I will get more, email, more junk mail in a year than my grandparents got in a lifetime. And one thing that's getting more and more rare is to go to the mailbox, pull the door down, and see a personal hand-addressed letter. When I do, it's like, wow, this is, I'm, I'm reading it before I get back in the house. A letter, like somebody really sat down and wrote the words like with a pen and with their hands, and they, they wrote it down. I mean, that's becoming a thing of the past. And when I get one, I sit down immediately and I read it. Because somebody took the time to, to write this personal letter. Doesn't it feel special? It's not digital. It's not something they just quickly whipped off in an email. It's a handwritten letter. Well, in this series that we're starting today called Transformed, we're going to be looking at one specific book in the New Testament, which is really not a book at all. It's a letter. It's a letter written by the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul is the guy who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, and most of the letters that he wrote or books that he wrote were to specific churches or sometimes to people, but they were very directional. They addressed areas of doctrine, church discipline. They answered specific questions. But this letter we're going to look at in this series is just a personal letter from one follower of Christ to another. It's called Philemon. And in this letter that you can find in your New Testament, the Bibles are coming down right now. If you don't have one, just raise your hand. ushers will give you one. It's yours to keep. You can uh, hang on to that, you can take it home with you, or you can uh, follow me along on the screen, the page numbers will be on there, and you can leave it in the back on the way out if you don't want to take it with you. But the book of Philemon was written by Paul. There's some interesting things about it. It was written by Paul in about 60 AD while he was in a Roman prison, and there's, there's a couple characters besides Paul in this book, or in this letter. One of the characters is Philemon, the person who it's named after, because that was the recipient of this letter that's only 20-some-odd verses long. You can read it while sitting in a stoplight in the morning, okay? Instead of texting, read the book Philemon. It's really fast. But it's written to this guy named Onesimus. If you really want to go home and study this out, just write down these names, Paul the writer, Philemon the recipient. The subject of the letter is Onesimus. Onesimus was a runaway slave who had stolen something from his master, Philemon. Now, in the first century, when you, you would say slave, it's not like, when we say slavery, we think back to a dark time in our nation's history, but it wasn't like that. When, when he's talking about Onesimus was a slave, there, were more than one way, there was more than one way to become a slave then. You could sell yourself. You could go sell yourself into slavery and work for some rich landowner. You could do that. You could owe somebody money and be a slave. You can still do that today, too, but this is a specific person. You could owe him money, and then you could become their slave to work it off. So whatever reason, Onesimus was a slave. He was the slave of this rich businessman named Philemon, who also had a church or a small group that met in his house. And somehow, Onesimus, after he stole something from his master Philemon, he ran to Rome to get away, and he ends up in, a, in the prison cell with the apostle Paul, who told him about Jesus, and his life was transformed. So let's pick up that story in the book of Philemon, beginning at verse 1. It says, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear Friend and fellow worker, to Apia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home, your love has given me great joy and encouragement, because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the saints. Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you what to do, order you what you ought to do, yet I appeal to you on the basis of love. I then, as Paul, an old man and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus. I appeal to you for my son, Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. And what Paul is saying, he's talking spiritually. Onesimus is now his son in the faith. And, and he's saying, this, this guy accepted the message of Christ, and I want you to take him back and put it, let him come back into your family. He says, formerly he was useless to you, but now he's become useful to both you and me. Because he stole something from Philemon. Philemon would just said, he's useless. He's dead to me. And Paul says, I'm sending him who is my very heart back to you. I would have liked to have kept to keep him with me so that I could take your place, so that he could take your place in helping me while I'm in change for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent, so that any favor you do will be spontaneous and not forced. Perhaps the reason he was separated you from you for a little while was that you might Have him back for good, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He's very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a man and as a brother in the Lord. So this story that we're going to look at over the next three weeks, this story of transformation of this slave who became a follower of Christ and then went back to his owner is a story of transformation. And we're sitting here at the beginning of a brand new year. We're just a few days in. You have an opportunity every time you open up God's word, every time you walk through these doors, to be transformed. And I would imagine in a group of this size, there are areas of your life where you wish you could experience transformation. Because there's this you that God wants you to be. That's the you of your full and God-given potential. Watch this video about it.
1: This is you, or rather who you've become. You are who you've become because of your choices, circumstances, past, relationships, parents, or lack thereof. You, your life story up to this very second, the good, the bad, and the ugly. That's how you've become who you are. This, however, is who you were created to be. Alive, complete, fully free. Who you are, deeply rooted in who God is. Using your gifts, talents, passion, and resources to be God's hands and feet in this world. This is the you you've caught a glimpse of in your best and worst times. This is the you that you've been created to be. The distance between these two you sometimes feels impossible to travel. The process to bridge these two uses is called transformation. It's the way that God helps you go from who you've become to who he created you to be.
0: And we're looking at a story of a slave named Onesimus who experienced transformation, who became the hymn that God really created him to be. And as we look out on this new year that's ahead of us, there are some principles that if we start off realizing if I do these things and, and focus on these things in my life, I too can experience that same transformation. So if you're taking notes, write down a couple of, tra- couple of principles for transformation I'm going to share with you today. The first one is, if I'm going to be transformed, I need to stop running from my problems. I need to stop running and face the problems that are in my life. Some of them are sin, some of them are not sin but I need to just face it. Just look in the mirror and face it. In verse 12, Paul says to Philemon, I'm sending him, Onesimus, who is my very heart, back to you. He's saying, I'm sending this guy back to you who confessed. See, Onesimus wasn't caught. He wasn't in prison because of what he did to Philemon. He wasn't caught somewhere along the way. He confessed. And in Paul's sharing with Onesimus about the saving message of Christ, he began to confess the things he had done wrong. So it's with great risk that he takes this letter Paul has written to his former master and he goes back to him. Because a couple of pretty big things could have happened. He could have walked up to his master and said, here's the letter. And before he had any chance, he could have just been whisked off and executed. And Philemon would have been justified in doing it. Philemon could have also had Onesimus branded a fugitive, and the way they did that in the first century, they branded a big F on their forehead that was there for the rest of their life. So he goes back with a lot of risk, but rather than continuing to run and pretending that nothing was wrong, rather than hiding from his problems, he chose to face them and stop running. And if I'm going to experience the transformation that I can through God, then I need to stop running from my problems. Stop running from the things that hold me down. Stop running from the things that separate me from God. Now, that's one thing we all have in common, problems. Did you come, if you came problem-free today, it's like you need to talk to me afterwards because I can tell you some problems that are probably in your life. If you think you don't have any we've all got issues. We've all got problems. And when we don't have a problem, that's a problem. Because if you think you don't have anything wrong, think again. And most of us have a really hard time just facing our problems. And when people refuse to face problems, we're playing with fire. Because what happens, we deny, 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 we don't face it, we don't face it, we don't face it. And then all of a sudden, there's this big explosion. And that's when divorce papers are filed. That's when a relationship is so far gone it can't recover. That's when your heart is so full of bitterness, anger, or addiction that you, you're going to have to go much further to get past it than you ever would have had you just stopped and said, I have a problem and I must face it and just confessed. AA is one of the most effective organizations to help people break addiction. And if you've ever been to AA or you've seen an AA meeting on a TV show, what's the first thing they say? Here's my name and I'm an alcoholic. Or if it's some other addiction, here's my name and here's my addiction. They just say it because there's power in owning up and and stopping your running from whatever it is that's separating you and keeping you from experiencing the transformation and becoming the you that God created you to be. Onesimus didn't run. He finally faced up to the fact that he was a man who had a sordid past and he confessed, I've done wrong and he's on his way back to tell his master. See, the longer we wait to stop running from our problems, the worse it's going to get. The more time that separates whatever the problem is and the denial that we live in, the harder it's going to get. In Psalm Chapter 3, verse 18, it says this. Or chapter 38, verse 18. I confess my iniquity and I am troubled by my sin. You will never be transformed until you are troubled by the things that separate you from God and separate you from the life that he wants you to live. Problems will not go away by sweeping them under the rug. We're really good at denial. You know the number one reason people do not buy life insurance because they're afraid they're going to die. Well, half of that equation is true. You are, you are going to die. It is going to happen someday, hopefully many years from now, but it's going to happen. And it won't happen because you buy life insurance. That's why people don't. Well, I thought, man, i, I got to think about death. I don't want to think about death. It's like when you go to the ATM and you pull some money out and you grab the slip and stick it in your pocket before you look at the balance because you don't want to know how little money's in there. It's just like, if I stick it in my pocket, maybe there's some miraculous zero that will appear at the end and I'll have more money. Or I can enjoy shopping a lot more if I don't look at my bank balance. I mean, how many times you'd get your statement in the mail and say, like, I can't look. I just can't look. I'm just not going to look and it's all going to be okay. It's like... Men going to the doctor. Men will not go to the doctor. Maybe if there's an open, oozing flesh wound, we might go to the doctor. Or dragging a limb behind us. It's like, yeah, maybe, honey, I ought to go go see the doctor. We're really good at putting things off and denying them. When the reality is the longer that we wait, the harder it's going to be. And maybe you're dealing with something that you've been putting off and putting off and sweeping under the rug. And sweeping under the rug maybe for years. You will not be transformed from the inside out until you just face your problem. So ask yourself this question. What am I facing right now? What is it that I need to face and just stop running from? See, that's what Onesimus did. He faced his problems and he trusted God with the outcome. A lot of the reasons we don't face our problems is we don't know what the outcome is going to be because we like to be in control and we have this somehow idea in our head that if I, if I don't face this and deal with it, then I'm in more control of it. And if I face it and deal with it, then I don't know what's going to come after that. And Onesimus just said, I'm facing my problem. I'm going to confess I, I did wrong. And here's the letter from the Apostle Paul that's going to keep you hopefully from beheading me. He had no control over Philemon's actions after he went back and asked for forgiveness. And that there might be consequences that come with you facing your problems. But the good news in the middle of consequences that we face is that we don't have to face them alone. I've had many people tell me, I don't know if I can do this because I'll end up being alone. If I go confess whatever it is that I'm trying to deal with or face it, I just can't face this right now, and I can't do it alone. But you don't have to. If you read in the Old Testament, you can read the story of the nation of Israel and how, how they, they had times of prosperity and times of oppression and times when things were going great and times when they weren't going so great. They had really good kings, and they had really bad kings. <coughs> And these these kings sometimes would be very good to the, their subjects, and sometimes very bad to them. And, and this one king, Jehoshaphat, who was a good king, found out that some of his enemies were coming against him, and he got really scared. And he began to think, I can't do this, I can't defeat my enemies. And God sent these two prophets to say this to him in the book of 2 Chronicles, chapter 20, verse 15. Listen, King Jehoshaphat, and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions. Stand firm. See the deliverance the Lord will give you. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged Go out and face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. So, face your problems, whatever they are. And the good news is, you don't have to face them alone. It's not just your battle, it's God's battle, too. So you don't have to live with this fear of if I face this, if I say this, if I confess this, then I'm going to be all alone because God promises go out and face them and you won't be by yourself. Now, how does God do that today? God does it through his church. God does that through relationships that you have in your life. God does that through your small group. That's why that you hear us all the time say, get in a group, be involved in a smaller group of people outside of these walls, because that's where God will work. That's where God will ensure that you're not alone. Talk to anybody that's in a, in a small group that's vibrant, that's a small group that works, that's close to each other, and they'll say, I could not get through anything without my small group that I'm involved with. So get in that, whatever it costs, whatever you have to do, get in those relationships outside of here that will help you. And if you need help doing that, come and talk to me or one of the other pastors and we'll guide you through it. So the first lesson from a transformed life, if we're going to live transformed in this coming year, is to stop running from our problems. Also, other than to stop running from our problems, I need to focus on what can be. Not be caught in the past, not be, caught, not be just focusing on my mistakes, but focus on what can be. In another one of his writings, the Apostle Paul said this, One thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. So I don't dwell in the past, Paul says. I, I face my problems and I look to the future. Here's something you need to know about the past. It's pretty simple. You can't change it. All of the worrying, all of the the apologizing, all the fretting, all that you do when you look at your past, you cannot change it. And there's two words that people live with that prevent them from being transformed and that's if only. Oh, if only I would have had a different major, then I could make more money. If only I would have married a different person. If only I would have moved to a different city. If only I would have not taken the first drink. If only I would have not taken the first pill or the first look. If only. If only keeps you living in the past. It prevents you from looking towards the future and being transformed. Some of the most sour-faced, unhappy people I know are people that live in the past. Are people who look back and say, oh, I wish I hadn't have done that. I wish I hadn't done that. And oh, I'm going to beat myself up the rest of my days about what I did. Onesimus was not an if-only person. He boldly faced his problems and confessed them and looked toward the future. Even though there were probably going to be consequences, he looked toward the future. And Paul is encouraging Philemon to look at Onesimus differently. Not to look at him as he was, but to look at him as he is now. And he says it in in verse 11. He says, Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he has become useful to both you and to me. This idea, this this whole verse comes from two Greek words that are kind of fun to say. It kind of sounds like a kid's word. It's pote denuni. So pote de nuni. pote means in old time, in times past, formerly, and then de means no longer, but now. So what he's saying is, in the past it was one way, and now it's a different way. Onesimus used to be one way, but now he's another. He was focused on going forward. He, he used to be this kind of a person, but he's been transformed, and he's another kind of person. When you look up here on the stage, if you don't know me well, you just see, well, there's Pastor Donnie, and that's all you know. My close friends, or you if you want to, just buy me a cup of coffee and I'll tell you my whole life story, I don't mind. But there used to be another Donnie that wasn't Pastor Donnie, many years ago in college, doing things I wish I'd never done, doing going places I wish I'd never gone, making mistakes I wish I'd never made. There was this me that used to be, in times past, potay. This, this me that was, was horrible and just lived a very sinful lifestyle. But there was this transformation that took place, and now I'm different. What I used to be and what I am now, and what's in the middle is transformation. It's becoming all that God has created you to be. So whatever you were in the past, you can, you can be Transformed. And the way it was doesn't have to be the way it is or the way it's going to be. You have a choice when you look into your past, and so do I. I can either look at my past, and I can let it use me to make me feel guilty, to make me feel like I'm not worthy, to make me feel like I can't make any changes. I can do that with my past, or I can use it. I I can use my past to remind me of how far God has brought me. I can use my past to show how God can transform a life into a life that makes an eternal impact on the world. So, see, you got a choice. How are you going to use your past? You're going to, if only, if only, if only? Or are you going to use it and say, you know, I used to be like that? But pote de nuni, no more. I'm different. I'm a different person. I've changed. And that thought is carried throughout the writings of Paul. Perhaps it was because the Apostle Paul used to be one way, but then he changed. See, Paul used to be a person who tried to kill the church, and then he became one of the greatest church leaders in history. He was changed. He was one way, then he was another. He used to try to kill Christians, and now he's trying to convince people to be one. He was one way, and then he was another. So if you read through Paul's writings, you'll get, see this idea of pote de nunia. It was one way, and then it's another. You were one way, then you were another. In the book of Ephesians chapter 5, Paul said, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Colossians 1, Paul says, Once you were alienated from God, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death. Ephesians 2, Paul says, Remember that at, at that time you were separated from Christ, Excluded from citizenship in Israel, or heaven, means the same thing. And foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. Paul is saying it was one way and now it's another way. He bridged that gap from what he used to be to what God created him to be. And I would imagine in this room there are people that that you wish you could bridge that gap from an unhealthy marriage to a healthy one. From, From an unhealthy relationship with your children to healthy relationships. From being financially burdened because of mistakes you've made to being transformed and realizing that God's brought me out of that into something new. Whatever it is, you can be transformed. And over the next three weeks, as we look at this story of a runaway slave 2,000 years ago who met up with the Apostle Paul in a prison, heard the message of Christ, and was transformed through that story, I hope over the next few weeks you find the strength and the power to face your problems, stop looking in the past, and you too can be transformed. Let's pray. God, thank you for this, uh, this short letter that... That may seem insignificant to many, but it's a story of how you transform hearts and lives. And God, I pray for the people right here today who who need transformation. Who need to renew relationships and need to have relationships transformed and habits transformed. And, And God, may our past be just that. It's just our past that just shows us how far you have brought us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.